Good morning. This morning's scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 44. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It will raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. This is the word of the Lord. How about Lily and Megan, huh? It's wonderful. Good word. And a good word from this passage uh, that Renita just just read. Uh, Post-Easter, it's worth our talking about what our bodies are going to be like because Paul actually talks about that, so it's worth our delving into that. Now, (laughs) there was a video last week that really went viral. Let's just put the first picture up and just see if people... Does this look familiar to any of you? How many of y'all saw this young lady who got her wisdom teeth out? Come on, raise your hand if you, okay. I was surprised by how many people in the first service had seen it too. It was was great. Uh, But it's this young lady right here who had her wisdom teeth pulled, and she was still loopy from the medication as her two brothers were uh, driving her home, but they basically pranked her into thinking that there was a zombie attack in America. And the mom was even in on it. She called in and said, y'all got to take cover and all this stuff. Best part was when, uh, let's go to the next one. I think she starts to get a little panicky and everything. Uh, (laughs) The the brother back there puts a gardening hoe in the back. And she's like, how's that going to help anything? And then they told her she had to choose between um, the cat and the dog. They can only take one. And she wanted the cat, as some of you saw. And when they gave her the cat, they said, okay, we're going to have to keep the dog here. And she said, okay, that's fine. But uh, there was a picture that was taken a couple days after that video. This is her back when she was uh, to her senses. And she wanted everybody to know that she loves her dog and her cat, which I thought was great. If you haven't seen it, it it's a really cruel brother trick prank but it's really funny it's just funny okay i'm sorry but just as that's kind of funny paul thought it was funny that some people in corinth were asking a certain question about the resurrection body so let's go right to this and we'll do it verse by verse first of all chapter 15 verses 35 and the first part of 36 but someone may ask how will the dead be raised what kind of bodies will they have and paul says what a foolish question He says it's kind of funny and foolish. Why? Because they were picturing back then people coming up out of the ground like zombies, and it's an episode of The Walking Dead. So, you know, he thought that was funny and, in a sense, foolish, so he's already amused by it that they were asking him to respond to that question. Now, the point that he is driving everything home to, you have to fast forward to verse 50, so let's go to that. 
What he summarizes is this. He says, what I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. In other words, you cannot get into heaven wearing the body that you have right now. The old body of yours just will not do. You're going to get a new body. We will have resurrected bodies. And so Paul decides to use an analogy here, and he begins actually in a garden. So first of all, our mortal bodies are the seeds of the bodies that God will give us. Now, to begin with, God will not raise our corpses, but our corpses are involved. Uh, To understand how resurrection works, let's look at how seeds are planted. Let's go to uh, the latter part of verse 36 uh, through 38. He says, when you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it to the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Now let's take a, a tulip bulb. And, and you know, it's, it's a bulb. Is it a tulip? No, not exactly. It's a tulip bulb. But one day it could become a tulip, obviously, if you bury it in the ground, and it will become a flower. Now, if you never planted it, Would it become a tulip? No, it would not. Uh, Could God just have it become a tulip without having to bury it? Yeah, he could, but he doesn't choose to do it that way. And in the same way, our mortal bodies carry our essence, our souls, our lives, you know, our experiences. And, and, And our bodies are buried, but God draws that essential part of us up into our new bodies that become new through the resurrection. It's really the same way, in a way, that that the DNA and the life flow through the bulb into the tulip, and it becomes a flower. So really what I'm saying here is you will still be you when you die and when you get that new body, but it's a mortal seed that becomes immortal and in a whole new body along the way with your resurrected body. And when you think about it, there's even scientific background for this in a sense. Our bodies are constantly replacing themselves. You know, you're not the same body that you were seven years ago, except for some large bones and the enamel of your teeth. I'm glad you can share that with everyone, but that's the truth. The constituency of your body has completely left you every seven years, and you have totally new uh, cells, molecules within yourself. And so Paul is saying, look at yourself. Your body changes. Your body replaces But there's an essential you that remains, and it's that essence that is transformed into your new resurrection body. So our bodies, in a sense, are the seeds of this new body that God will give us. Secondly, God creates bodies splendidly uh, uh, adapted, splendidly suited for our new environment, and obviously that will be uh, in heaven. But even now he does that. Even now he does that. Look at anything in nature and see how God has effectively adapted it perfectly, made it perfectly suited for its environment. And that's what he does with verses 38 and 39. He says, then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. So God has adapted bodies for every kind of environment in which these creatures find themselves. Fish in water. They learn to be in water, be adaptive to water, breathe underwater. Birds are in the air. They learn to fly and the like. And it's amazing how meticulous God is. Speaking of birds, how meticulous God is with creating these environments. Now, a couple years ago, before I made my first trip to South Africa to work with Living Hope Ministries there, 
I learned as much as I could about South Africa, including the, the topography and, and the terrain, and I learned about uh, the Drakensberg Escarpment. Has anybody even heard of that? It's this cool thousand-mile-long mountain range, uh, range, the Drakensberg. That's Afrikaans, by the way, for Dragon Mountains. We would call it the Dragon Mountains. A thousand miles long. And in those mountains, one of the rarest birds on earth, the bald ibis, is there. Now, one weird thing about the bald ibis, along with being rare, and this, maybe this is why it's rare, is it can only eat burnt bugs. I'm not making that up. Okay, toasted little critters, that's all they can eat. So God adapted that for them. It's fascinating because down on the plains below uh, the Dragon Mountains there, twice a year, and you can, you can count on it, lightning strikes uh, on the plains there where all the plants and vegetation are, and it burns up, just burns up all over the place, acres and acres. And so all these little insects are incinerated. So these bald birds eat the burnt bugs. Say that five times. But anyway, uh, God adapted those birds to that environment. Now think about that and multiply it by, gosh, 10 million, 100 million, because God does this for all of his creation. And you've got to think, do you think that the God who can do just that, do you think that suddenly he could not adapt us to a new body in heaven after this life? Of course not. He's sufficient to do that. You know, and then it's cool. Paul moves from the natural to the astronomical, the celestial. Let's go to the next verses. He says there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. So he's moving on to the astronomical here. And it's so fascinating that that same carbon and hydrogen and nitrogen and oxygen that's here is up there everywhere else in the universe in all you know the suns and the moons and the planets uh, the galaxies and on and on just fascinating and if god can so organize all these celestial bodies that we see each night can do that from here to to light millions of light years away and he can do that with with these heavenly bodies that have different sizes different qualities different functions even don't you think he can handle raising up our bodies as well no doubt the power of god is sufficient for that so paul moves in a cool way from plant level to animal level to astronomical level and when god shapes you you will have these certain bodies in heaven, and these bodies will be springing forth from the seed of the essence of our bodies right now, and they'll be perfectly and splendidly suited for the eternal, extraordinary environment. And just as all these bodies, you know, plants, animals, celestial bodies, have their unique splendor, he talks about each one of these things has their certain glory. You know, we will have our own splendor. Our resurrected bodies will have their own splendor and glory, which leads to this. And I think this is the coolest thing because you look at these different facets of our resurrection body and you think, I'm just overwhelmed by the grace of God that he gives us all these gifts, not just eternal life, but let's look into the nature of our resurrected bodies. The body that's buried will obviously not be like the one that God raises. You know, this is where Paul stops talking in pictures in this passage, and he gets very specific, and he summarizes it in four contrasts. Let me read the whole thing, first of all, verse 42 through 44, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. He says, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to life forever, first contrast. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. 
They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. Now let's break this down a little bit, because I love this, and and this is just a wonderful glimpse of our new bodies, because really what we have here are four marvelous guarantees for us. First of all, we will be raised with an imperishable resurrection body, an imperishable one. Let's just break it down and just zero in on verse 42 here. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live how long? Forever. It's imperishable. You have older translations. You might have a translation that says this. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It cannot die. It's always there. Romans 8.21 mentions this with application to it. With eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. You know, I hate to tell you, but we are in a constant process of decaying, uh, of fading, disintegrating. Uh, what was that book that David Earhart got us all onto? Uh, uh, Younger Next Year. Some of, did any of y'all ever read Younger Next Year? He got us onto that. And basically, <laughs> that book is a wonderful book on taking care of yourself, but really what it's about is not decaying anymore. And the guy's very honest about it. So much of what we do is to try to prevent disintegrating. You know, whether it's being in a shelter or going and buying medicine, having enough food, wearing makeup, exercising, on and on and on. But heaven is amazing because our bodies will be indestructible. And that's fascinating. We're never going to wear out or grow old or decay. Think about it. No more need for medicine, for hospitals, for pharmacies, uh, funeral homes. You know, no, no, no more... Um, Need for food, no more water, no more headaches, no more cataracts, no more tennis elbow, you know, no more indigestion, and on a much more serious scale, you know, no more cancer. We get there and nothing is perishable. That's even hard for us to fathom. Decay and entropy and disintegration will simply be no more. That alone is an amazing grace, my friends. It really is. But there's a second guarantee that God offers, and that is it's not just an imperishable body we will receive, but also, and this one's hard to fathom, a sinless body. Let's go to the first part of verse 43. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. Really, literally what that says in the the Greek is our bodies are buried in humiliation, but they will be raised to be like God. That's what it's saying. And really, that is, theologically speaking, the, the last phase we enter into for all time is called glorification. That is when we finally become really closely just like Christ. Now, we're not Christ, obviously, but we become as Christ-like as we could ever become. And let's think about that because that is God's goal for each and every one of us when we get there. By his grace, he wants us to achieve that place. Or I shouldn't say achieve, we don't earn it. To attain that place. Even in spite of our sin, he wants us to get there where our hearts will be changed, our motives will be pure. You you know, we won't have to look back at the end of a day and ask forgiveness for this or that. We won't be be able to sin. Think of that. We will be incapable of sinning. Consider that. We'll be incapable of it. You talk about a gift. We'll never be able to do that anymore, thanks be to God. We will be raised with these bodies that are now sinless, imperishable and sinless. And this is the one I can't wait. Also an unlimited body. 
an unlimited body. Let's look at the latter part of verse 43. This is the third contrast. He says they are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. What he's saying is what is weak today will be powerful in heaven. And really what Scripture suggests, and the early church fathers suggest, and scholars today suggest, and I just think it's the truth, the Bible basically says that we will be marked by unlimited abilities, new and unlimited abilities. Our natural abilities will be raised to the highest power because nothing can limit us from glorifying God with anything that we do. Think about that. Anything we do will be taken to the maximum. We're no longer fettered. We're no longer held down with our abilities. We can take it, ratchet it up a whole new way. And I'm sorry, this is what I think of. You know, I haven't been able to dunk a basketball since I was 23. When I get there, I'm going to take off from the free throw line, just like MJ, but better than MJ, I'm 360-ing it and then putting it in. That's the athletic side of me, and then I'll go next door because it's going to be wall-to-wall books, and then I'll nerd out. But I mean, that, that's to me, I just can't wait for that. And, and truly, this is, this is in a sense what it's saying. We're never going to tire. We're never going to stop being creative, being inventive. We're going to be unlimited. Now, that's going to be cool. I just can't imagine. And, and think about this in a wonderful way when you think about a child in the inner city who, for whatever reasons, never really had a chance. And really, their accountability to Jesus really is much more on us than, than, than him or her. I can't wait to envision the day when that child can get there in every way that that child was was oppressed and weighed down by all these layers of whatever it might be socially economically politically whatever it might be uh, the family they're in whatever it might be they are now unlimited with what they can do think of someone you might even know whose life was cut way too short well not anymore the sky is unlimited for them what a grace gift I think about an infant who tragically passes on. Sky is unlimited for that person. Someone who's been disabled most all their life. They get there and they, yes, they can dance. They can walk. They can run. They can do do all of that. We're no longer restricted in our abilities to glorify God. Now, again, you might say, well, that's, you know, (laughs) think of me dunking. Oh, I'm just doing that all for the Lord, not for me. Well, yeah, okay, but what's wonderful is I think there's even grace in that, just that I'm able to do that, and that, in a sense, again, reminds me of the grace that he has for me. Gosh, and it, it will be imperishable and sinless and unlimited, And finally, it'll be a spiritual body. He kind of brings it together and says it's a spiritual body. Verse 44. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Now, uh, he's contrasting the natural body from the spiritual. Be careful not to misunderstand this light like we're these uh, disembodied spirits or ghosts floating around in the sky. That's not at all what it's saying. He's saying there's a difference between natural and and spirit, spiritual as opposed to natural. You read on in verses 45 through 49, and it talks about how we, when we die, will be dominated by the spirit of Christ. You know, we're no longer contending with our old nature. You know, we're no longer held down by our old nature. We are dominated now by the spirit of Christ. The breath of Christ is what causes us to live on. 
I mean, we'll be brand new. And it's the Spirit that will empower us. And, and I remember reading something recently that I think is kind of cool. You ever thought about this? When Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't need air to breathe. I hadn't really thought about that. He may have breathed if he wanted to, but he didn't need oxygen. You know, by, at that point, he was grasped completely by the Spirit of God with his heavenly body. He didn't need oxygen. He didn't need the meal of fish that he got together with the disciples for. He didn't need that to help him grow, be strong, whatever. It was the living Spirit of God that was now his breath. You know, when he ascended to the clouds, he didn't have to gasp and breathe harder as he got to higher altitude and oxygen became less. didn't matter. That's a non-issue now. And that's what you and I can expect. I mean, amazing, unlimited spiritual bodies that we will receive. I think about all this, and I think about, I, I go back to the word grace. I think about bodies that we will have and the, the functions they will serve, the gifts they will have. And I think about what grace that is. I, I love the way N.T. Wright puts it in his marvelous book, Surprised by Hope. He's probably the best New Testament scholar in the English-speaking world. And Surprised by Hope is an, it's the best book I know of on, on, on the future hope and resurrection and what our bodies will be like and everything. And he says this, we sometimes speak of someone who's been very ill as being a shadow of their former self. If Paul is right, a Christian in the present is a mere shadow of his or her future self. The self that person will be when the body that God has waiting in his heavenly storeroom is brought out, already made to measure, and put on over the present one. I just love that. You know, we're a shadow, just a shadow, a mere shadow of our future selves. And Wright goes on to quote this marvelous hymn, and I was unfamiliar with its lyrics, but it's by Thomas Akempis, that wonderful 13th century uh, devotional writer. And he wrote this hymn that I just think uh, it captures it beautifully. Oh, how glorious and resplendent, fragile body thou shalt be, when endued with heavenly beauty, full of health and strong and free, full of vigor, full of pleasure, that shall last eternally. I'm going to read that one more time because it's just so good. Oh, how glorious and resplendent, fragile body thou shalt be, when endued with heavenly beauty, full of health and strong and free, full of vigor, full of pleasure, that shall last eternally. Grace. How good that will be. Lord, we consider all of this and we understand why Paul said in Philippians that he was torn. He was torn between continuing to live with the Philippians and others whom he was serving, and yet there was such a desire for, on his part in a way just to go on and be put to death and be with you eternally. He was torn whether to be with people here now in the present or to be present with you. We understand that when we really consider the amazing gift that this is, this resurrected body you offer to us and all that it means. Thank you for these words that prepare us all the more excitedly as we anticipate one day being gathered together, gathered together and having all of these gifts bestowed upon us which we so do not deserve and yet which you offer to us because of that unconditional love shown most fully in your son who died and then rose 
and who offers us now a new body. We pray all of this in his name. Amen.